Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I'm super excited to be here with you today, and I hope that your summer is going well. Um, I live in New Hampshire, and ours has been a very wet, cold, rainy summer, but it's still going great. Um, I usually record these episodes on the weekend, but this weekend, I kind of spiraled a little bit down into that familiar place called overwhelm, so I'm going to get into that today and hopefully help you and me to um, go to that place a little bit less in life. So before I get into it all, uh, let me introduce myself super speedily, and I do mean speedily. I talk really, really fast, and if you listen to your podcast on 1.5 or 1.3, like I do, or really just anything more than regular speed, it's going to be really quick for you. Um, I'm Emily Aborn. See, I told you I'd be fast. No, I'm kidding. I have more. I am a content writer as well as the owner of She Built This, a woman's entrepreneurship community that is full of the most amazing, authentic, genuine women who all come together for the purpose of supporting one another's dreams and vision, helping each other brainstorm and think through ideas, provide reassurance in a safe community that we're not just doing this all alone. Because honestly, uh, entrepreneurship can feel like a little bit of a roller coaster at the county fair. Not too safe and super jostly ride, am I right? Um, but it's still very, very worth it. And so that is what the community is all about, is doing this thing together. And if you don't already know about She Built This, you can learn more about the group and see everything that is happening in there at shebuiltthis.org. I also want to say hello to a new listener and the reviewer of the week, Maya and Steven. I hope I'm saying that right. Maya and Steven shared that the podcast is inspiring. They stumbled on it not too long ago and are really happy that they did. Great conversations, vibe, and mission. Thank you so much, Maya and Steven, for your five-star review. You are amazing. And if you are listening and you haven't taken a hot second to write me a review, I would love to hear from you. I can't even tell you how much it means to me when people write me a review. It is super duper appreciated. Um, You can also always, if you prefer me not to share your name, you can drop me a line at emily at emilyaborn.com. Or just look me up on Google. I'm sure you'll figure out how to contact me. Um, Last teeny bit of housekeeping. If you didn't get the chance to listen to last week's episode with Ivor Edmonds, we talked about issues of social and racial justice, as well as diversity, equity, and inclusion. Ivor comes at this from a very holistic perspective, and I think that you're really going to enjoy hearing from him. He's going to be presenting a three-part workshop series on diversity, equity, and inclusion for the entire She Built This community, which starts in September. And he will be in that workshop. He's going to be um, educating us on the history of racism the micro ways in which our actions create a trauma response and actually become embedded in the bodies of other human beings, and how we as business owners and professionals can create an individualized action plan and commitment to DEI, including policies and procedures for your unique business. I really encourage you to visit shebuiltthis.org learn more about the workshop and Ivor and sign up. It's $133. Um, All women in business are welcome to join us, professionals and business owners, and it is free for the VIP community. The deadline to sign up is September 1st, 2021, which consequently is also when the price on the VIP group is going to be going up. So get in 
while the getting is good, as I always say. Next week, we are diving into September already, if you can believe that. And I'm really excited to share September's episodes with you. I have writers and authors coming on from all various walks of life with different perspectives in different genres, from everything from nature to romance novels. And I also have another super special guest coming on the show. So suffice it to say, there is some very exciting coming stuff coming up and I can't wait. But without further ado, let's get into today's episode, shall we? Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Okay, so I am going to start off with a little story, and we're going to go for this one back to my childhood. I grew up with three little brothers, Peter, Luke, and Matthew, and yes, they were all disciples. Um, They're all younger than me. So when we were young, I usually wrangled them into doing things that I wanted to do uh, probably 75% of the time. And then the other 25% of the time, we did stuff that was more in line with what their vision of fun was. So we were actually joking about it at a recent uh, family get together about how I used to dress them up in my clothes and do their hair and makeup because I really wanted sisters and they all just kind of like went along with it. So that's that's just something we we're all laughing about recently. But one of the games um, I made up when we were young, it combined something they loved, which was a love of matchbox cars with something I loved, which was being OCD. So I called this game the picking game. And in the picking game, we sat in a circle with a line of matchbox cars between us. And I was the one that arranged the line. The line needed to be like very perfect, organized by color. I liked them to go from light to dark. And then we would take turns going around and each choosing a matchbox car one after the other, after the other, after the other, etc. until they were all accounted for. So there was the ones that we all wanted, like the London double-decker bus, the white Jeep. And of course, we all had our personal favorites, like my brother Peter tells me his favorite was the 1992 Chevy S10 with red flames down the side, which like, I don't even know what a Chevy S10 is. Um, I think he also had a pair of matching shorts with flames on them too. So, and then there were the ones that we all agreed we didn't like so much. There was this black truck with like way too big of tires on it that someone probably just bought us because they were like, oh, these kids like matchbox cars. You could definitely tell the ones that people put a lot of thought into choosing and then the ones that they just didn't and the ones that they didn't, no one wanted to get stuck with. So after we'd all chosen, we would get two rounds of swapping. Now, this admittedly ended right there because there were some major throwdowns. But for the most part, I think we made our trades pretty successfully. And then we were off to the races, pun intended. But those were the cars you got to keep for the rest of the day. So my least favorite part of the game was playing with the cars afterwards. I was like, and my work here is done. I'm out. But my favorite part of the game was organizing the cars in a row and then kind of like overseeing the system for choosing so that it all went smoothly and according to plan and on time. You know, we were, we were on track with the game. 
Now, I want to share one more story of my childhood so that you think I'm even more crazy, and then I'll get into why this has anything to do with anything. I also used to let my room get pretty messy when I was a kid. Now, I didn't like having a messy room, but I would let it stay messy for a really long time, even after my mom asked me continuously to clean it, because my philosophy was if I couldn't spend the entire day cleaning it and like take every single thing out of every single nook, cranny, closet, drawer, etc., and reorganize it back in a way that was perfect, I just wouldn't do it. So if it was a little bit messy, I would just keep letting it get messier and messier and messier until I could take the entire day and sit there and go through everything. Like, I mean, every paper, every single thing. And by the time I was done, every t-shirt was organized, stacked from light to dark in the drawers. The closet was like a Roy G. Biv rainbow and my bunny rabbit stuffed animal collection yes I had one and it was awesome it was organized like by their bunny family tree like here's the papa bunny here's the mama bunny all the way down you know um all this to say I've always been a pretty naturally organized person or at least a person that really loves organization and I've always been working on like how can I become more organized how can I become more productive and if I dig into it a little bit you know it's probably because that that extreme order gives me a sense of calm and reduces distractions and helps me to feel like I'm in some sort of control which I know is an illusion but It's true that when my home is clean and organized, I'm just more happy, I'm more peaceful, I'm more creative, and I'm also very like a germ-opposed person, and I just don't really like things to be dirty, which in college was a legit problem when I had to share really close quarters with so many people. However, when it comes to my time management, business operations, and systems, there have been times when I've been way off track, frazzled, overwhelmed, frustrated with myself because I just didn't know where to start or which systems were best for me. And that's a pretty maddening place to be, you know? Um, Someone recently posted in our VIP group that she's part of a group where there's a lot of posts and comments around productivity and organization, and they're all like intended to be helpful comments, but instead they end up causing her to feel like she's broken or something is wrong with her because she feels like she can't be that way. So here's what I kind of wanted to start by sharing with you today. It might be an unpopular opinion, but I believe that everyone has the capacity to be organized and productive, but it needs to be a way that works for us with the right tools in place for us. And we all have like these strengths and weaknesses, and it's important to kind of like learn about what those are and then set yourself up with systems in place that help you to, you know, lean into your strengths and maybe overcome or at least turn the volume down on some of your weaknesses. So today, I decided to bring you a collaboration of my own <laughs> of ideas around time management, but really just kind of like befriending yourself and having time management be time management and productivity come from that lens. Now, before I get into it, I definitely want to encourage you, take what works, leave the rest. These are just tips and tricks that have helped me, and I thought that they might be useful for some, especially as this season can be a little wonky as we're preparing to wrap up summer and regroup for the fall. 
Um, I've been on the side of extreme stress and overwhelm, and I don't want to be there again. So I've had to put systems in place that help me to calm that down a little bit. And it's not about putting yourself into a box of what anyone else says it should look like or how your time should be spent. This is really just about becoming friends with yourself, discovering what works for you, discovering how you want to spend your time and starting there. And I plan to get into everything from email inboxes to how you book your calendar. So, but if you if you want to get more into this stuff, please let me know because I really do love this stuff. Um, and I'm always just like, it's just something I love to talk about. So I have a lot of systems in place. It helps me because then I feel like there's less stored up in my brain all the time. And that even, you know, when you lay in bed and all these things come flooding into your head, it can get really scary and frustrating trying to keep it all straight. So that's why it works for me. And just to give you context, like I don't have kids, so I can't speak to what kind of additional uh, things that adds. I have a husband, two businesses, third business in the works. I run two Facebook groups, host this podcast. I have a lot of family to keep track of, birthdays, happenings. And then, of course, we take care of the house and clean it regularly. I, I don't, I'll tell you what I don't do in my home. I don't do the bills. I don't do much yard work. Um, I don't do house maintenance. And my husband, Jason, grocery shops most of the time. So that's sort of like a big picture of what I have going on like you, all that to say, we're busy people. You know, we're juggling and managing a lot of people or a lot of things and we're all doing it in our own way. So I know I don't have kids and sometimes, honestly, that's even like more pressure to be more productive. And people look at me and they compare themselves to me and they do have kids. It's just, we're not comparing here. So we're all juggling and managing a lot of things and we're all busy. In regards to actually the word busy, don't you feel like we need a new word? Because I love busy. Like, I love the feeling of being busy. I love every second of it. But the actual word sounds very negative or like you don't have time for anything when, in fact, when I say I'm busy, there's really one thing that I don't really like doing. And then when I sit down and in my job and when I really sit down to do it, it's not as bad as the story I was telling myself about actually doing it. So, you know, if you feel busy and you're using that word constantly and it has a negative con- connotation for you, I guess I would implore you to start there. Are you busy or are you too busy? Is there a word you can use besides busy? Essentially, if you're too busy, it kind of means you don't have enough time to do what you want to be doing and what you love because you're in the weeds with everything else. So take, take stock and ask yourself if what you're spending your time on brings you joy. I know sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do. Trust me. I don't particularly enjoy cleaning my house. However, I do enjoy having a clean house and I love the feeling of accomplishment it gets it gives me when I'm done. I also love cleaning out my podcast feed while scrubbing the toilets. So I guess I use that as kind of like the way to make the task better because then I get all this time to catch up on episodes that I miss during the week. So I guess cleaning my house is not really that bad after all. 
Tell that to me on a Saturday morning. <laughs> but when you're a business for yourself and you're constantly not doing things that light you up, it can feel like you just sort of worked yourself into a job rather than creating something that you love waking up to every day, you know? And so that's kind of what I want to focus on today. It's not just about managing our time and doing the things we need to to be productive because we're so busy, but it's about making the time we have every single day a friend. And it's about that comes from making ourselves a friend, you know, managing time it, for me, it does little in and of itself. You know, you, you can spend an hour being super, super productive, but if it's something you can't stand, that was sort of like an hour wasted. But instead, what if we ask ourselves how we feel about the time we have and what we're doing with it? If you want a super eye-opening opening activity to do this, I recommend a time audit. Jody Gallant came into our VIP group in June and talked about a technique she learned in the book Run Like Clockwork. I have not yet read that book. Um, however, she did a fantastic job of breaking it down. So Jody challenged us to for, for as many days as we designate, I chose five. I wrote down to the minute what I did with my time each day. Even when I went pee and took lunch breaks, every single thing. So that helped me to see really where my time was actually going. You know the days when you feel like you sat down and you look up and it's 5 o'clock or 5.30 or whenever you stop working and you got absolutely nothing done, you have no idea why? That this, this keeping track of it like this shows you why you got nothing done. And the other activity I think that really helps you to get a finger on your pulse of your time is to sit down and write out all your commitments. Now, I like to categorize mine and I get really, really granular with this activity. Every client I'm committed to, all my family commitments, what I do for self-care every day, my speaking club meetings, uh, monthly workshops, date nights, all of it, everything I am committed to, I write down. Once you have these two full, full pictures, you kind of know, okay, what needs to go in order for me to do what I want to do more of? And there might be some items on that on those lists that you can delegate to someone else. There might be things you can just completely part ways with altogether. It might surprise you some of the things on there that you quote unquote think you should be doing, but you really can just let them go. It's okay to let some of it go. I promise. It really, really is. So now after you've done both of those things, let's assume that everything else on the list needs to stay. And let's talk about staying on track with the things that you've chosen to keep in order to get these things that matter most to you done. I know in the... Um, I've talked a lot about the concept of streaking, and I had the authors Jamie and Jeffrey Downs of the book Streaking Mastery on my show back in January. To catch you up, streaking is not running around your campus naked. It's the art of creating a streak when it comes to any given activity by committing to doing it either daily, weekly, monthly, etc. So some examples, uh, personal examples. I started journaling every single day and I haven't missed a day since January 1st, 2021 because I started a streak. That fulfilled my desire of having a journaling habit, which I just was not able to keep before. I also was 
really irregular about flossing my teeth. I would do it sometimes and not other times, and I wanted to do it regularly. So I started a streak of flossing every single day, which I've been doing since December 9th of 2020. And the key is also to track these things. So like the key to a good streak is to keep track of how long you keep the streak. And I've also kind of focused on picking something each month. So I'll pick like an exercise, like push-ups or sit-ups or squats, stuff like that. So I've streaked things for just a set amount of time. And I that's not how the authors recommend that you do it. Um, but those have helped me to keep those little promises to myself and also to help build up that trust muscle in myself. Like I can do the things I set my mind to. So the authors, uh, Jamie and Jeffrey, also recommend making your streak really, really easy. So something simple like I will write one paragraph a day. I will do a push-up every day instead of I'm going to write 5,000 words for my new book every day and I'm going to do 20 push-ups a day. It just ensures that you stick with it longer when you make it super, super easy. Now, I will say this. I heard a, a great alternative perspective over the weekend on not letting a streak actually mean anything about who you are as a person. And I loved this. For example, when you break a streak, you're not a bad person. You didn't fail. You can pick yourself up and start over again right in that moment, or you can choose not to start again. There's a streak I personally consistently fail at over and over and over again. And for a while, I really beat myself up about it every single time. Why can I not stick with this? And instead, I've been learning to approach that failure with compassion and curiosity instead of regret. Be like changing my wah, why, what was made to why. So remember, what happens when you break a promise or a streak to yourself, it is actually just as important as when you keep the actual streak and promise to yourself. So that said, if you're curious about this whole streaking thing and you want to go try it out, it is a fantastic tool. And I encourage you to go back and listen to episode number 77. It's a really powerful, super easy way to hold a promise to yourself about what's most important to you. It helps you to build confidence. And over time, you can make really, really big strides towards your goal. It's also important to keep promises to yourself when it comes to your time commitment and boundaries. Talk about befriending yourself. I used to break a ton of promises to myself when it came to my time, and I still do at times, and it's frustrating. Um, but I remember at the beginning of this particular business, I, when I said I was disorganized and couldn't figure out how to keep all the balls I was juggling in the air, and this is why. I would block out a day to work on my own business or to work on the behind the scenes or vacation. And then I would just fill it up with other people's stuff, with something for me that was an appointment that might be less important and satisfactory to me or not, not any real momentum for my own business. And I did that because I thought I should, but I was constantly breaking these time commitments to myself. And I walked around telling everyone the story that I was so busy and really it was just busy for the sake of being busy and it wasn't things that I enjoyed or things that mattered. And I tell you what, I am making equally as many wonderful connections right now. I, have, I am doing better in my business and I'm doing more of what I love and what matters. I believe that befriending time starts with befriending yourself and holding yourself to what you set out to do. You got to have your own back. 
All right, so let's talk about actual strategies. Um, one that you've probably heard recommended ad nauseum, but it's also really effective to set out what you intend to do in a day is time blocking. And I'm gonna zoom out a little bit on this because I do time blocking um, from a from a big picture perspective because I'm I'm a big picture girl and then I like to get into the details but I need to know what's coming at me in the week ahead for appointments and obligations and I also like to know what work is expected of me ahead of time so uh, at the beginning of the week or at the end of, uh, you know, on Sunday, I start by making a massive brain dump of all my tasks, present, near future, everything that's on my mind that I know needs to get done sometime relatively soon. <laughs> Some of those I put spots in my schedule when I plan out my week. For example, if I have a podcast guest interview on Wednesday, I know I need to send them the confirmation info on Monday. So I just put that right on Monday, you know, send confirmation to so-and-so. This way, when I approach Monday, I simply just work off those time blocks to do those tasks. Now, if time blocking hasn't worked for you in the past, you might need to start with the time audit first and see where your time is actually being spent every day. I also keep this like real because that will help you to see like how long tasks take you. Um, I keep a really detailed spreadsheet about how long I work for each client and each project, and I track it as the month goes on. So I know how much time things are taking me. I know how much money I'm making per hour as I work on different things. And I've heard people um, love the tools Clockify or Harvest to track their time. When you set it up, and especially if you set it up right, it can be magical. I don't use it for myself um, I use it for a client, but I should probably use it for myself and I will start doing so soon. I do, um, I think it just really helps you to, to keep from being distracted and staying on task because if you have to keep hitting that start and stop timer on things, trust me, you are going to say, nope, I will do that after this task. So I find that when I use time blocks or, you know, I even like to designate certain tasks uh, days to my clients. So I work with multiple clients at a time and it's helpful for me to create boundaries around that. Like when can you access me and when am I going to be focusing on your stuff? That way I'm not just constantly multitasking and chasing shiny objects and other people's agendas all day long. And it kind of goes hand in hand with batching your tasks. So Batching your tasks is taking like tasks or or exact tasks that are repetitive and tackling them all at once. Someone recently told me she created 1,557 social media graphics in a month and it's all because she batches every single day. She's a graphic designer and she just sits down and does all the graphics of a certain type at once. So it's the same with like you don't need to write all your social media for the week and schedule at the same time. But you could sit down, write it all out, keep as those creative juices are flowing, and then maybe the next day, the, the batch task is to schedule it all out. So I really love doing this when it comes to blogs too. Um, not, I don't do this very well for myself. I'm terrible at writing my own blog. But last week, I wrote six blogs in one day just because I sat down and batched the task. It also gives you this great sense of satisfaction when you've gotten like two weeks ahead of on something or a week ahead on something, all because you sat down and batched it. 
Um, that start and stop, you know, that's what I find really can like stop the flow if you're on a roll. So if you are finding the momentum, keep it rolling. And I also want to say on that note, a lot of times when I'm unmotivated or I'm like, how am I going to get into this? Sometimes it just is a matter of like saying five, four, three, two, one. Thank you, Mel Robbins for that. Sitting down and starting. And then when you are when you look up, maybe you find that you're really, really excited about something that you you thought you were dreading. So uh, one last thing on time blocking. I do believe that it starts with the setup. So at the beginning of the day or a given time block, I pull out everything I need to work on that project. Like uh, I guess I'll use the term mise en place like they do with cooking. I mise en place my workstation. All the tabs I need open are ready to go. The books and resources I need are in front of me. The music I want to be listening to while I work on this. And of course, I pour myself lots and lots of water. If you're able to, I also recommend, you know, if you decide to time block, um, turn off your notifications, close Facebook. You don't need that red bell and pings and dings veering you off course every day. You don't need to like sit on our, we don't need to sit on our inboxes all day long and answer e- emails every, right away. We can set aside time that works for us to check and reply to emails. So while we're on this topic, let's really quick talk about emails, shall we? First off, remember, this is not about making you feel bad. There is literally no right or wrong when it comes to your email inbox management. It's a what works for you. And same with desktop full of files. I have seen computer screens that have, you know, screenshots all over the desktop. That would drive me nuts. But if it truly doesn't matter to you or bother you, it doesn't matter. Don't focus on things that don't matter to you. However, If having a full inbox bothers you as much as it bothers me, um, I will tell you the simple email things I do to just keep my inbox at inbox zero. And every single day, inbox zero is my goal. I don't always get there, but that is the goal. Now, we all have our favorite methods of communication. Some people love phone calls. Some people love text messages. I like email. I like it a lot. I can keep everything in one place. It helps me to stay really organized and know what I need to do, what I have to work on. Um, But I know that people sometimes say that they get too many emails or they don't like emails. So hopefully these things will help you to kind of like email a little bit more and not have such a full inbox if that's what you want. So I do try to only set aside two times every single day, not to check my email. I'm kind of like popping in there uh, more often than I should be. And I know that, but I mean for like really sitting down and getting a good reply to people and addressing things that need to be addressed. I tried to check in twice a day. Tip number two, um, I don't, I, I recommend you don't procrastinate when it comes to your email inbox. That's kind of like the enemy. Um, I don't know about you, but if you have emails sitting at the bottom of your inbox and they've been there since February, you're probably procrastinating just a little bit. So give yourself a a mental time limit on when you will get back to people with emails. Um, You can also send back, I've seen people do these replies that say like, I will respond within 48 hours. And that just gives you a little breathing room so that you don't feel like you have to respond to everything now. 
Gmail does this cool thing where if you follow up with people or if somebody sends you an email and you haven't followed up, it sends you like a little nudge and it nudges you when they don't respond and it also nudges you when you haven't responded yet. So give yourself a little mental rule of thumb, like I respond within 72 hours and don't procrastinate because that's just going to fill that inbox right up and keep it filled up. Uh, Tip number three, it is okay to delete and unsubscribe even from me. If you get emails on your phone, it can be really easy to just like hit that trash button when the emails come in. Say you're just always hitting that trash button on that person's email. I guess I would challenge you to not do that for like a whole entire day and just unsubscribe to the ones that you would usually delete. Use the Marie Kondo method if it works for you. Does this email spark joy? No unsubscribe. Am I ever going to use this daily coupon from Michael's? No, unsubscribe. Do I really need the weekly updates from this website? Goodbye. No. So and you can always resubscribe. There's the lovely thing. You can usually resubscribe. You can usually find the coupon someplace else. And a lot of things, we just don't need cluttering up our inboxes. I save my email for really important things. And I have a designated junk email, which I never use. I pretty much just delete every single thing in it. But you know, sometimes you need to use your email for certain things and you don't actually want it coming to your email. Um, all right. Remember when you had the my, my last tip on email. Remember when you used to have those like hanging file drawers with all the little organized files? Maybe you still have those. I think they're called filing cabinets. I do not have one of those. But your inbox can actually do this too. You can create categories, and under those categories, you can create more categories. I love these. I am very visual, and so I give labels and color codes to every single person. I have I have a client folder. I have a one-time projects folder with each client's name under it. I archive the ones that I'm not using anymore, so I don't have to have them all staring back at me when I'm not working with them. If I work with a coach, I put, or like a therapist. I put all of those things in one spot. Same with she built this, the podcast, personal, etc. Even when I'm planning an event, I make a label specific to that event so that I can keep track of all those he said, she said, I said, you said threads. And then later, I just archive that under archived events. Um, it, it's really nice because if a client emails me, once I finish the task that they emailed me about, I just drag it right into their folder for safekeeping. Or if I know it's something I need to address later, I just drag it into their folder for safekeeping and give myself the key, a reminder. Speaking of reminders, if you have not discovered the schedule send tool, I highly recommend using it. I know that Gmail G Suite has it. Um, I don't know what other services do, but it basically allows you to write an email and then schedule send it for later. And I do this for myself. I send myself reminders via email. I send other people emails that like I don't want to send them at 10 o'clock at night when I'm working. I also don't want to bug them on a Saturday or a Sunday. And sometimes it's just because I don't want to go back and forth with them right in that moment. But I need to remember to send them something or I need to send them the notes for something on Tuesday and I don't want to forget. So it's amazing. It's a wonderful tool. And my suggestion with the files is our brains really love to file things away, especially when they're done. We like to cross things off, check things off, file things away. So 
That's why the filing system really works for me. I'm also very visual when it's done and I know it's now in their court waiting their reply. I just file it and then I forget about it. Um, Lastly, if you don't have time or your email is super duper out of control, you might consider delegating your inbox management to a virtual assistant or a office assistant. They can usually help you get started at least cleaning it up. And a lot of um, virtual assistants will help you keep track of it on a daily basis. So for me though, uh, keeping a clean inbox, it was just about developing some new habits and doing a little bit every day, not trying to overwhelm myself by doing doing it all at once, but then that consistency has been the key and that has done wonders for my inbox. I've just sort of like tried new habits with my inbox for a week at a time and worked away at it over time and it's amazing. Um, so let me know if you try any of those things and if you get good results and if e- email is something that overwhelms you, let me know if that helped you at all feel a little bit less overwhelmed. All right, so last but not least, since we're on the topic of overwhelm, I know I gave you a lot of tips and strategies today. And like I said, they're not for everyone. So try some stuff, um, try some variations of stuff, see what works for you and see what you wanna toss or just toss it all, it doesn't matter. (laughs) But I really want you to get to a place where you're feeling like first and foremost, you're befriending yourself and befriending your time and managing it in a way that feels good and right to you. Now, even when we're doing that, even when we've decided, okay, I know what I'm doing with my time, I love what I'm doing with my time, and I've mapped it out to stay on track, stuff happens, right? Things come up. Weeks are chaotic. I don't know about you, but the beginning of September, I feel like we're going away every day. It's crazy. You just get swamped with stuff sometimes. Last minute meetings, clients are all going out of town at the same time that you are. Everyone needs everything now, right? Things go wrong and we all get in this place where we feel overwhelmed. Now, I used to walk around saying I feel overwhelmed all the time. It's like one of those feelings that you you feel like you're drowning and you're never going to dig your way out, yet you've been there time and time and time again, although when you're there, it feels like it's new every single time. I'm really trying to get better at not using that phrase or stressed to describe how I feel. Um, When I start to feel overwhelmed, I start now, instead of just sitting there swirling in it, I try to step away from my computer and I make a massive, what I call, brain dump. Now, my brain dump document is one of my best friends, um, I dump everything out onto a page that I need to do. And I look at it, I refer to it from time to time so that I can keep track of what I have like in the long term. But this is just basically anything that is bogging me down, weighing me down, tasks I have to do, calls I have to make, scheduling vet appointments for my dog, whatever it is, I dump it all in one page. You might do yours electronically. Um, I love to handwrite things, but electronic is fantastic as well. So, you know, sometimes the computer, it's funny, I don't like paper planners. Um, I use my Google Calendar and a good old-fashioned notebook, but sometimes I know that the computer can feel like a vortex in and of itself, and it doesn't always work well for these kinds of things. So for me, I find it helpful just to get it out on old-fashioned paper and pen, and everything that is overwhelming me in that moment, I put into a brain dump. Then, instead of like sitting there and saying, okay, what task can I do first? Which one is the most impactful? 
I kind of just go take a break. And I think it's really hard to be productive and creative, especially if your work is creative. It's really hard from a place of stress and overwhelm. And when you are feeling that drowning feeling, you know, that heart palpitating, it's really hard to actually get anything done. So taking a break and stepping out can be exactly what you need to get recentered. Put it all down for 15 minutes. Go for a walk, get out in nature, breathe deeply. Don't text people or call people while you're doing that and, and make appointments, you know, just like listen to a podcast if that makes you happy or just be silent in nature. This might look like procrastination to you. I've, I've even done it where I've gone swimming for an afternoon and I've stepped away from my crazy desk and like, you know what? I'm just going swimming. For me, it's actually always turned out to be anti-procrastinating because when I come back, I'm in a better place. I feel more calm. I am excited to get back to what I need to do and things just flow a lot more easily. And the other trick, my one of my favorite mottos is the only way through is through. Sometimes you just, like I said, have to get started and then the motivation is on the other side of getting started. If you don't know where to start, focus on something really small that feels really easy for you and do one thing at a time. Give yourself a quick win and then from there, you can move on to another quick win. That will help you to sort of like ease into the hard stuff. And as I said, often that motivation and passion and energy that we are, we just want to fall from the sky, sometimes it actually comes from the process of getting started. It's not usually, sometimes it is, but it's not usually the other way around. So choose one small thing, rinse, repeat until you start getting closer to where you want to be. And here's something else. I always want to remind us all, don't forget to celebrate, reflect, take stock, celebrate your big wins, give gratitude for yourself for keeping those commitments and time blocks to yourself, and also give gratitude for other people that support you and help you out along the way. I write down all of the things I am celebrating. I keep a running list for each month, and I also like to look back at them at the end of the year on a yearly celebration sheet so I can say, wow, when I look back at everything I did. But these are things I write down little tiny things. I had a great call with a client. I had a great conversation with my mom. I finished reading a book. Um, I also write down the bigger stuff like a client accepted my proposal and I had a really fun anxiety-free vacation and a, an event I hosted went very successfully. Um, but it's just really fun to look back at everything and celebrate yourself. And my last tip, I guess, is just have your own back. And I, I know I've said it uh, before in this podcast, but making friends with time, making friends with productivity, it's about making friends with yourself first and recognizing you get to choose. You get to choose how you do this thing. You get to choose how you're designing your life, focusing on what you want to be spending your time on. And if you are looking for accountability in this area, um, that's one of the things I love about the She Built This VIP group is that we have a monthly peer group call in which we share the things we're working on, we share our struggles, we share our celebrations, and we also hold each other accountable. Sometimes just saying what you're being held accountable to helps you to go do the thing. You know, I know that recently I um, 
had an accountability buddy and I said, I'm going to be doing this Facebook Live and this is the date I want to do it by. I don't like doing Facebook Lives. They're hard for me to, to actually get to. Um, and because I was accountable to her, I went and did it. So just to bring this all back, if you need some extra accountability, um, I encourage you to check out the She Built This group at shebuiltthis.org. That's one of the things we do in that group that I just love. And to bring this all back to the beginning, just remember, this is all about what works for you. Sometimes you have to try a bunch of different things to figure that out. I've used probably about a bajillion planners. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I hate planners. <laughs> I was putting so much weight on choosing the right planner. Like I wanted this magical planner that's going to make me feel more calm and successful and organized. But now I just use a notebook because I realize I'm a list maker. This is how my brain works. And I put anything that I need to keep track of digitally into a project management software or just a Google Doc, depends on the situation. I don't like having a calendar link where people can book meetings with me. I understand that bothers certain people, but I just schedule my meetings the old-fashioned way via email or text for another a number of reasons. We can talk about that another day. But keep in mind, it needs all that to say. It needs to work for you. And you have to really start by releasing the judgment towards yourself if you're not where you want to be yet. Just keep exploring ways. Get help from somebody that can help you with your unique situation. If you need a recommendation for a professional organizer, I have a wonderful person to refer you to. She's actually in the VIP group and she can help you with your unique needs and goals. So I just wanted to share these tips and strategies with you in hopes that maybe you just get one or two things that you decide to try and see if they work for you. And if you want more stuff along this, these lines, let me know and I'll bring in people that are way smarter and better than me to give you more tips and tools and strategies around this. And always feel free to send me your questions, thoughts, comments, etc. I love hearing from you and I love helping you take any steps towards your dream, the dream that you're building. So with that, have a happy rest of your week and I'll see you next time. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.